All right, I'm going to start off <clears throat> um, in first, first John. Uh, John was uh, one of the, uh, de, Jesus' disciples, and uh, he was, in fact, one of the inner three. Peter, James, and John were like the closest to, to Jesus. They, they got to see more than the other nine did. They got to experience Christ intimately and passionately. And, uh, and so he, he, he writes here in First John, he starts off by saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And I love that because, again, what, what we're getting here, you guys, is a major um, like eyewitness, way more than an eyewitness to Christ. Again, this is a guy who actually heard Jesus, saw him, looked at, and his hands touched him. He was intimately close with Christ. And he says, the life appeared, Jesus appeared, and we've seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, and here's the key, so that you also may have fellowship with us. So John's going to write this whole thing, and he goes, man, I want you to have fellowship with us. And this was perfect for me today, because if you're here at K2 attending this service, I just want to tell you, our desire is that you would have fellowship with us that we would actually be close as a community together. But then he goes on and he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I love that. I'm writing this to you, John says, so you'll have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with God. And what I want to tell you today, more than anything else, I, I would so quit this in like a second. Like I like to have fun. And on nice days like today, there's a lot of things I could go do. <laughs> So could you. But I believe with all my being that my life in this church actually fellowships with the living God. Now, if that's true, if we fellowship with God and with Jesus whom he sent, then I want you to have that. And so John, so John just says, so here we go. That's why I want to tell you this. And that's why I want to, I'm actually really excited to share with you today. And then he goes on in verse 5 and he says, for this is the message which we heard from Christ, the guy who heard it directly from him. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you won't sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is the one who turns aside God's wrath, taking away our sins, and not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. This is the message we heard from Christ and that we want to share with you. And I I just want to share with you the heart and soul of why we even exist as K2 and why I do what I do as a pastor. So here's here's where we're going to go. How does divine love interact with earthly sin. How does that happen? Well, the first thing we find out in this passage 
is, is John says, this is the message that we have heard from him, from Christ, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Do we have that verse, Shannon? Just curious. First John? Okay. Because um, I just want, I, I want to make sure you guys catch this. There's, there we go. There it is. Beautiful. God is light, and there's no darkness in him. I mean, that's a really good thing. Wouldn't it be scary if God could screw up? I mean, wouldn't it be scary if all of a sudden God could get emotional, you know, and just have a bad day and treat us like that because he had a bad... I mean, it's so good to know that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. There's nothing impure. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing selfish. There's nothing destructive. In God, he's absolutely perfect. And then what he tries to help us to see is, so here's me, and in me everything is light. Now, if you claim to really be in fellowship with me, and yet you walk in the darkness, can't happen. In fact, it's pretty wild. It says, well, actually, if you claim that, you lie. And you don't live by the truth because what God is saying is if you walk in darkness, then there's no way that you can actually be in fellowship with me. And you guys, when divine love inhabits that, when God looks at you, you need, when you read the whole Bible, the one thing you're going to see from beginning to end is what God longs for. Our reason for even existing is to be in fellowship with God. That's what we're created for, is to know him, to be loved by him, and to love him. And so when he says all of a sudden, listen, if you're walking in darkness, you can't be in fellowship with me. See, love goes, that's not okay. <laughs> it's just not okay. Knowing me and being in a relationship with me is what really matters. And so the first thing that we understand, you guys, about God and about divine love when it engages with our sin is he says, sin just is not acceptable to me. Here's, here's, what I want you, here, here's what divine love says. You know what it says? No destruction. No destruction. You guys, Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. How many of you guys are going to plant a garden here as soon as it actually stops snowing and stuff like that? Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, we're all ready, you know, we've got this kind of stuff, and I, my garden, you know, I, it's about this big, because I live in Sugar House, and, and it's small, and so I'm going to pick this, the stuff that I want. And if I plant tomatoes, you know, I don't want pumpkins coming out. I mean, when I plant a tomato, I'm expecting a tomato to come out, and that's, that's what I'm going to get, because I know that, that when I plant something, that's what you get. And God just wants all of us to understand, the way this works is you can't mock me. God can't be mocked. In other words, you can't go, hey, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do, I'm going to live in the dark and yet have fellowship with you. He goes, no, I'm so, I'm so sorry. It doesn't work that way. Because he goes on to say, the one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Now, can I just ask you a question? If you love somebody and you watch them sowing something with their life that you know is going to reap destruction and you love them, what do you do? Go, that's all right. Go for it. No, I mean, if you love them, you go, no, no destruction. 
See, divine love hates the darkness. It hates sin. It hates anything that destroys. It hates anything that robs you of your joy, that steals your peace, that, that, that robs you of your freedom. I mean, God wants us to be living such a full life. And when he sees things in us that he knows is going to destroy that within us, he says it's not, not acceptable because he loves us. And if he sees things inside of us that are going to be destructive to the people around us, not acceptable. See, at the core of what life is about is love. And so when we come to this place, you guys, but what God is saying is, if I see anything inside you that's going to hurt you, that's not okay with me. If I see anything inside of you that's going to cause destruction within your relationships, it's not okay with me. Um, just so you know, the Bible's pretty clear. He does judge sin. And he has wrath towards sin. He hates it. And I just want to be one of the first ones to say, I'm glad. Is anybody else glad? Okay, you're not. Now, here's why. <laughs> because we all live in this stuff. And we go, oh, wait a second. I mean, give me a break. I mean, what am I going to do? But I'm telling you, I'm grateful that God does not accept the stuff that's in me that's not good. I'm glad he has something else that's better for me. And I just want to tell you, so do you. You really do. I mean, you know, when you see somebody who's doing something that's unjust and that's unfair, you go, that's not right. I mean, we want a justice system on earth, don't we? We don't want just everybody going, you can do whatever you want. No, we want to know there's something that's right and not. And we stand for those things. And especially, you guys, when it comes to something that's going to destroy you and someone that you love. When my first daughter was born, you guys remember that first child? You know, guys, you're freaking, you know, and, and I, many of you women are too, but I think you're in too much pain to know it. And, um, but I mean, I just, I remember Mariah finally making it into the world. It was a very traumatic experience I can't get into. And I don't know, it was like five minutes later, this guy comes over and says, hey, I just need to let you know that your daughter has a little birthmark on, a, on the side of her face. And I mean, I'm looking at her, I can hardly see it. Man, within a week, I could see it. It was deep red. And it was just growing, and it was just beginning to take over uh, the side of her face. So we go to the medical community, right? Our pediatricians and people who are in general medicine, and they're like, ah, you know, I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. It's, 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 you know, if you want to do something later on with some surgery, we can, but I don't even think you need to. And so I'm like, you're, you're the doctor, and so I didn't, we didn't do anything. Finally, a friend who went to our church came up who was a pediatrician. She said, hey, um, what are they telling you about that birthmark? And I said, well, it's no big deal. And she's like, um... She goes, I think we might want to get that thing checked. And so we um, took our three-month-old little baby, knocked her out, which was just scary as all get out, put her in that huge honking MRI machine, right, and shove her in there, go on vacation that day, get a call, and the doctor said, hey, um, actually what I was afraid of is true. Uh, what, you, what your daughter has is called a hemangioma, and it's arteries that just grow out of control. And it's not just growing all over her face, it's actually growing inside too. And it's wrapped itself around her optic nerve. And if it continues to grow, she'll lose her sight. Okay. Now I'm a dad. What does a dad do? Ah, oh, man, that's too bad for her. You know? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I mean you're going to try and rob my daughter's sight? I mean, and we just, we went on, I mean, what do we got to do? And you do everything. And it was horrible. I remember, I mean, I'd have to hold down and Susie be cramming the medicine down her and she's, ah, 
You know, if you know Mariah, she's still that way. It's just, she's just, you know, and she just could feel everything. It was crazy. And we had to put her on high dosage steroids. Soon as, uh, as soon as a prednisone, right? As soon as we hear that, Susie's dad died, had brain cancer and they put him on high dosage steroids, prednisone. And it, and it covered up the pneumonia that killed him. So basically what the doctor says, hey, you got to give your daughter what basically played a role in killing your dad. I mean, this was intense for us. But you know what? I love my daughter and there's no way she's losing her sight. And I want to tell you, this is what you can know about divine love from God. See, you have symptoms too, don't you? You got stuff, you look at your life and you go, man, it's just not right. Something's not right. You can see it. See, what God knows is what's not right is actually deeper than your behavior. What's not right is your heart. And so God goes in and he says, and I just want to let you know, it is not okay to me to let you experience destruction in your life because I love you. And, and I just want to say that I am really glad for a God who loves me that way. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We have a spiritual enemy trying to destroy us. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 1 John 3.8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And I just want to say, I am so glad I worship a God who's not okay with what's messed up inside me. Susan and I were sitting on the couch yesterday and we just looked at each other and we just, I, just, I started thinking of who I was before Jesus got in my life. And I just, I just thought, oh my gosh, Susan, there is no way that we have the relationship that we have today if Jesus hadn't changed my life and changed my heart and is continuing to do so. So that's the first thing I want to let you know. And the first thing that's true about us as a church is we believe that God loves you and we believe that what's not right in you is not okay to God. And as a community, we need to come together and say, you know what, it's not okay for us either. All right, so that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. How does divine love engage with earthly sin? Let's go on. First John chapter 2, starting with verse 1. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you won't sin. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the one, Jesus is the one, who turns aside God's wrath, taking away our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, and all of us do it. So in other words, what we earn when we sin, the wage we get, is we actually cause us to be separated from God because what fellowship can light have with darkness? Can't happen. If you claim to have fellowship with me but are in the darkness, you're actually, it's not true. You're actually separated, separated from me. The wage you just earned for that was death. That's, and again, God just goes, it's not acceptable to me because I love you. And out of my love, I'm going to give you a gift. And the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Now, you understand, see the difference there? A wage is something you work for. And a gift is something you just receive. God loves you. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Okay, man, I'm going to share with you the greatest news. It's why I, I do what I do. It's why I am who I am. It's what I believe at my core. It's why K2 exists as a church. Because every human being is in darkness. And every human being needs a Savior. And we have one. And he has rescued us. How does divine love engage with earthly sin? He comes in and he rescues us out of it. He redeems us, which means he buys you back and says, no way, baby, you belong to me. You've been living a life outside of me and you've been apart from me and that's not okay with me. I'm buying you back. I know the purchase is the life of my son, but it's worth it to me. For him to take on the punishment, he takes away our wrath because if you have to, if you have to, have to wonder if God, how God feels towards sin, just rent the passion and see how he feels. There is wrath. There's judgment towards sin. But Jesus on the cross took it. God, Christ himself said, you know what? God, I know you have to punish sin. So let me take the punishment so these guys don't have to. That's amazing. That's the greatest news in all the world. In him, we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you guys, here's what divine, how divine love engages our sin. Number one is it says, no destruction. I'm not going to let you destroy yourself. Number two, no condemnation. No condemnation. This is amazing. Now, there will be discipline for sin because he's a father. Just like I need to discipline my kids. I love them. But no condemnation. Divine love takes the punishment that we deserve. Divine love in Christ took the wrath and it took away our guilt and, he's, and he forgives us. See, so whatever you're sitting there with today and you all know your stuff, And if it's sitting inside you, you need to know today that it can be forgiven. He rescues us and he redeems us. And you guys, the greatest story probably in all the Bible is a a story um, that Jesus told when he wanted us to understand what divine love was like with sin. And the story goes like this. This young, uh, young guy comes up to his dad and he says, Hey, dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now. Now, in that culture, basically what you were saying was, hey, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because <laughs> if you were dead, then I could get what I want. I mean, unbelievably humiliating in that culture to say that to your father. Okay, they knew that. The dad says, you know what? You can have it. He gives it to him. A few days later, the son leaves, and he goes off to a distant land. And it says that he just used all of his resources to live it up, man. He partied like nobody else. Slept around with prostitutes, got drunk. Had, he, he just lived it up, man. All the, all the world offers, he went for it. And then eventually he ran out of all his stuff. And a famine hit the land. And the dude was getting hungry because they had nothing. It says a citizen hired him, and he hired him to feed the pigs. You know anything about Jewish culture? Jewish culture doesn't real tight with pigs. Okay? Even that right there. Jesus was trying to help us to see something. You know us. Jesus was a Jew. He goes, you know us as Jews. We don't eat pigs. This guy had to feed the pigs. That was his job. He's so hungry that he just wanted the corn cob that the pigs were eating. And finally, he stopped and he thought, he goes, man, my servants back at my father's house eat better than I am right now. So he started writing up a speech and he decided to go home. And his speech was going to be, my father, man, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. 
please let me just become one of your servants so I can survive, basically. And he turned away from the life he was living. He started heading home. And it says, the father saw him from a distance. Now, Jesus is trying to help us understand God here. How, how would you be doing in that moment? Oh, you little sucker, what do you think you're doing here? <laughs> hey, hey, guards, you know, guards, just let him sit out there for a while. No, you know what the Bible said? You know what Jesus said? As soon as the father saw him from a distance, he ran to him. Now, again, in that culture, elderly men did not run. It wasn't a sign of dignity. This dude had to hike up his robe and go for it. And he did because he loved his son so much. And as soon as his son came home, he wanted to grab him. And he brought him in and his son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven. He goes, oh, just stop it. He goes, man, kill the fattened calf. Grab the ring. We're throwing a party. We're throwing a party. My son who was lost is home. And my son who was dead is alive again. You guys, this was Jesus trying to help us understand who is God? How does divine love engage earthly sin? When earthly sin finally says, you know what? I've sinned and gets in front of it and lays it before God. God just goes, in Christ, I've already paid the punishment so I could forgive you. You guys, you need to understand this. God will never forgive you because he loves you. I know I probably shouldn't have said that because it'll take a lot of time to explain. But I, God doesn't forgive us because he loves us. He forgives us because Jesus paid the price for us so that he could forgive us. Now, he sent his son because he loves us. So ultimately, the forgiveness is out of the love of the Father. But don't ever think that you can skip just from God's love to forgiveness. It can only come through what Christ has done for you. But he's done it. And he did it for all of you. So that you could know in this moment, anytime you turn to God with all of your sin, God says, no condemnation in Christ. None. He runs to you, he'll embrace you, and he will love you. And that is the greatest cotton picking news in all the world. And I just want to tell you, so I'm sitting here, you know, all this, this news happens, and I'm thinking, oh, what are people going to think about the church? And what are gonna be? I'm like, oh, finally, it's like, you know, wake up, Nelson. This is the greatest opportunity in the world to share with you. The gospel makes no sense if there's no sin. If there wasn't sin, what was Jesus doing on the cross? The only reason Jesus got on the cross was because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And this is our chance to tell you this is why we exist. Because you got yours and I got mine. And sometimes people's, it's like a cavity. Sometimes it gets exposed and you're like, ah. And all the rest of ours are just lucky because it's still underneath the surface. And all of us got it. And all of us need the forgiveness that comes in Christ. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can I say really quickly to some of you, you're sitting there going, man, this just, oh. so what, what hope? I've talked to a few people, like what hope is there to live a life over victory, over sin, Dave? I just want to say it, there's a ton of hope. Because when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, which is great, but don't forget the next part and to purify us from all unrighteousness. See, you guys, this is a journey. You guys, we've been in a series. Remember, we taught you that we are being transformed into the image of Christ with an ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. That means little by little, it's happening to us. Well, the way it happens is you've got to stay in the light. 
Do you forgive yourself or does God forgive you? Anybody know? Yeah, that would be God. That's his job. God forgives you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Do you purify yourself? No. When you confess your sins, he's also faithful to to purify you from all sin. The hope is you believe in the gospel enough that when you sin over and over, you lay it before him and let him forgive you and let him purify you. Let him forgive you and let him purify you. So that's it. Two things right there, and I got one more. How does a divine love engage earthly sin? The first one is, sorry, just real quick here. Um, the first one is he says, no destruction. I'm nev- it's never going to be okay for me to, that you sin. Secondly, though, if you'll confess it, I'll forgive you. No condemnation. Here's the third thing, and this one's shorter. Once you've received God's love like that, it now exists in you so that you can give it to somebody else. If you've been here very long at all, for five and a half years, all I've shared with you is my life is one big pile of mercy. And when you've received the mercy of God, you give it. Period. Last story. Religious leaders come up to Jesus. Man, they wanted to trick this guy so bad. So Jesus is hanging out in the temple courts and they bring him out and all of a sudden they bring up a woman and they say, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. You ever wonder, like, how'd you do that? So anyway, he brings the, they bring this woman and they say, man, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. And he goes, our law says we should stone this woman. What do you say we should do? This is a pretty heavy stone. I just got to tell you, man, I, I love this story because I'm going to get to it, and I hate this story. It's amazing to me that the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the ones who were supposed to represent God, had a stone in their hands, and they couldn't wait to whip this at another human being. Do you, do you see how sick that is? And it um, says Jesus was kneeling down and he was writing in the dirt. Nobody has any idea what he was writing down there. My, my favorite guess is that he was writing their names and what they'd been doing. <laughs> um, because what he did is he, he looked at him and he said this. He said, you who has not sinned, throw the first stone. <laughs> what a moment. And all of a sudden, it says the older ones first, the ones who at least had some wisdom, they dropped their stones. Another one. Another one. Until they all left. Jesus looked at the woman. He says, where are those who condemn you? Is there no one left? And she said, no one, sir. And they said, neither do I condemn you. You go, and you leave your life of sin. You guys, I just want to tell you, the other thing you can know about K2, the church, is you are not going to get a rock thrown at you here. I love Jesus. For one reason, the stuff he's had to forgive me of, and the stuff he's cleansed me of, and the stuff he's cleansing me from, 
I love him with all my heart. And if I would ever turn at you and throw a stone at you, it would just be ridiculous. We forgive as we've been forgiven. No condemnation. No destruction. No stones. And I just want to tell you, that's who K2 the church is. We're all about the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't think there's any better way to share it than that right there. So, band, you guys come on up. All over the place, Red Box, South Campus. We're going to worship here. And I want to, but I want to really worship. I don't want to sing. I want to worship. The first song we're going to do is Amazing Grace. So you guys, I hope you understand today that grace isn't amazing unless there's sin. That's why it's amazing, the fact that God gives us his grace when we fall. I think some of you today need to experience God's love, the divine love in your own earthly sin. Some of you, maybe for the first time, heard it's not okay to sin, man. You cannot have fellowship with God if you're living in the darkness. And if you don't have fellowship with God, then you don't have eternal life. And without eternal life, what do you got? At one point, Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world but you forfeit your soul? And so as we sing, I want to encourage you. I grew up in the Methodist church. In the Methodist church, we had altars, and everybody walked down, and you knelt And I feel like today might be a day where some of you just need to do that. Where you need to respond to the greatest news in all the world. And you need to come before God and you need to confess your sin to God today. And you need to get it into the light, believing, putting your faith in Christ, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Some of you are followers of Christ, but you've been walking in darkness. And you've been saying, I have fellowship with God. And he's saying to you today, no, dude, we have not been having fellowship. I'm your dad. You're my kid, but there hasn't been fellowship. And I think today is your day where you go to your Father in heaven and you say, here's my sin. And you lay it before him and you let him forgive you so that you walk out of here free and clean and the purification of your sin can begin again. And some of you, you've got a big rock in your hand (laughs) and you just need to put it down today. And maybe you need to come forward and say, God, forgive me that I was even thinking of condemning anybody else. Thank you for forgiving me. Give me your love for those who have sinned around me. And and after amazing grace is on Christ, the solid rock I stand. (laughs) We just shared with you last week, you guys, there's no hope in anything. No person, no church, no money, not health, nothing but Christ. He is our rock and who's who we're going to stand on. And so, Lord, help us right now to receive your amazing grace. And God, I just pray that you would speak to anybody in here that you want to minister that grace to. Anybody in here that you want to forgive. Anybody in here that you want to just set free. And I pray that there would be an interaction and engagement with the holy God going on in this room right now. And that by faith, we believe in Christ and we would receive the forgiveness that's ours. Thank you for being a God who's not okay with what destroys us. Thank you for being a God who forgives the actions that have destroyed us. Thank you. Lord, may you interact right now with people in that level in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you, so let's all just stand. Let's stand together. 
You can sit back down if you want to. That's fine. But I'm going to be down here. Christian's here. Sim's here. My wife Susie's here. If you need someone just to pray with you while we worship, I want to encourage you to come down and we'll pray with you. If you just need to do it by yourself, you might just want to come down. You can Obviously, you can sit in your seat and engage with God. But I want to tell you, there's something powerful about moving towards Him. And if you need the love of God, divine love, to engage your earthly sin right now, is the opportunity for that to happen.